Well, I, I will say, um, and I wanna say to all the campuses, um, it's an absolute honor uh, to be here and every time that I get to be- come back uh, to Michigan and be here at Kensington, um, it is life-giving for me. And um, people ask us all the time what the name of our church is K2 the church, and everybody thinks it's a church for skiers, <laughs> which is fantastic because we're in Salt Lake City, so that works. Um, but the name is Kensington 2. I mean, we really took my 13 years that I got to spend here on staff and take the magic of what God had been doing here and take it to Salt Lake. Now, what's crazy is I've actually overstayed my visit in Salt Lake longer than I was here. So I had 13 years here, and now I'm 15 in Salt Lake. And um, so it's, it's crazy that some of you actually clapped when you heard my name. You guys are like old. What are you doing here still? Um, but I, I married a gal uh, named Susie. And you know what's funny is um, I actually, and I think this happens to most of us when we're single, I, I actually thought I was a really, really good guy until I got married. <laughs> Isn't that true for all of you? Like you may have this total idea of yourself and you think you're a pretty good person and then you have to spend every day all the time with somebody else and guess what? <laughs> They reflect back to you who you are and you can't hide and you're like, I am so much more selfish than I ever thought. But the other thing about me is I actually was a really happy guy. I just, I filled with a lot of joy. And the truth is, through all my 20s, I never remember getting really angry. I just never got angry until I had kids. And then all of a sudden you realize, oh my gosh, now there's these little rugrats running around and I'm discovering that I'm angry. And so when we we talk about this issue that we impose a standard on others that we ourselves aren't living, that's called parenting, isn't it? It's crazy to me how many times I do this with my kids. Will you guys stop yelling at each other? What are you doing, dad? Right, and then I, I, my kids are all teenagers, 17, 15, 13, right? Their phones are tied to them. It just drives me nuts. And then they're like, Dad, Dad, Dad. This is their thing. Then they go, David Nelson. And then I finally look up from my phone. It's crazy. That's who we are. Most of us know, if we're honest, that we're not as good as we want to be. We're not as good as we should be, or, I mean, I feel like this all the time. We're not as good as we need to be. So what do we do? What what do you do when you are wrestling with this person in here who's not all that great? There's a few things we do. The first thing we do is hide. And it was funny, I was uh, flying here from Salt Lake uh, a couple days ago uh, to be here, and I was thinking through the message, I was kind of working on some stuff, and then I had to go to the bathroom. And don't you love airplane bathrooms? (laughs) So I go in there, right? I squeeze in. I have to go like this. I lock it. And then I go and I start unbuckling my pants and the door flies wide open. (laughs) I'm like, what? You know, I'm putting myself together. And and then I slam the door shut and make sure it's locked this time. And then this bathroom is so small. And I sat there and I just started thinking, you know what one of the funniest things ever would be? we, We would never do this. But if they actually had cameras inside the bathrooms of airplanes, I mean, how many of you have wrestled inside the bathroom of an airplane? It is unbelievable. I just thought that's us. What we're doing is we are constantly trying to navigate our hearts, our minds, 
our thoughts and desires and emotions because we're scared to death that they're actually gonna turn into actions. And we're all closing the doors and we're trying to hide inside this place that's really hard to navigate. So we pull away from people and we hide. The second thing we do is we put on masks. <laughs> and then we come to church, right? Church is, well, how are you? Oh, I'm great, how are you? Oh, I'm blessed in the Lord. Yeah. Yeah, whatever. No, the, the truth is there's stuff going on in here. I sat, I just, you know, most a lot of you I don't know, and I just stood and I watched, and as you came in, and I just thought, how many of you walked into here today and you felt like, okay, I'm coming to church, I have to put on my mask. I have to act like everything's okay, and it's not. And then the other thing we do besides hiding and then putting on masks is then we try really hard. Because we know we should be better. I, 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 I love God. I want to follow God. I got to be a better person. And so we try and prove to ourselves and to others and to God that we're better than we really are. Why? Can I ask you, let's be super honest tonight. I'm going to do this as much as I can. How many of you are hiding and why are you hiding? And I think it's, it's true for all of us because we know that if you saw what was actually inside of me, you would judge me. We are so scared about being judged from other people. Can you imagine what it would be like as I prayed to be fully known and to be fully loved? And unfortunately, many of us go, no, I can't imagine. And that's why I'm covering myself up. Well, here's the truth, okay? Because you got you and I tonight, we, today, we have to stop convincing ourselves. We have to stop trying to convince ourselves and others that we're not bad. We just gotta stop. Here's the truth. We are far worse than we ever imagined and we are far more loved than we could have ever dreamed. And that's the truth. Why can't we be better? Why can't we be better? Why is this so frustrating? I am so grateful for this. This is in the Bible, you guys. Romans chapter seven says this. I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. And I know that nothing good lives in me. That is in my sinful nature. I wanna do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. <laughs> I remember the first time I read that, I'm like, that's in the Bible? That's me. That's one of the reasons I actually like the Bible, because it's super honest. The Bible understands this frustration that we have. He goes on, he says, I have discovered this principle of life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. <laughs> I love God's law with all my heart, but there's another power within me. We're gonna talk about that. There's another power within me that is at war with my mind. And this power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Now, I, again, if you're like me, and you are because you're human, none of us in this room have escaped this. And all of us at different times have felt miserable. What a miserable. You have looked in the mirror 
and you've just thought, who is this? You've probably at times hated yourself because you know who you are. What a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. So this is what we're gonna talk about today is this is what every person, every human being must understand and embrace to ever actually move into a place of freedom. We gotta stop hiding. We have to stop putting on masks and we have to stop trying harder. The first thing that needs to happen, and Danny said it in the, in the intro, we have to actually embrace this reality of being human. I can't be who I want to be. And I don't do the things I want to do. So in Ephesians chapter two, one through four. I'm just gonna unpack this passage with you because I want us to, this is super important. We can't ever become everything that God wants us to be until we understand the truth of ourselves. So here's the truth of ourselves. Ephesians two, one through four, or one through three. He says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you once walked, following the ways of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us, all of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Okay, so let's just pull out right out of this passage. There are three powerful pulls to sin. Three powerful things that are causing us this wrestling inside where we can't be who we wanna be. At K2, our mission is simply this, to invite and to equip everyone to live out the adventure of following God. That's, that's why we exist in Salt Lake City. We wanna invite everyone into the adventure of following him and we wanna equip everyone to follow him. And so it's so interesting, and when I was working on this, my son came out, we have a, a new little puppy, she's about a year old now, her name's Aspen, and uh, Caleb comes out and he goes, Dad, watch this. And so we, he gets in front of Aspen, and, she, and you know, this is Puppyville, all right, and we've never trained puppies, so we have no idea what we're doing. And he goes, Aspen, sit, and she sits. He goes, Aspen, kneel. She gets down all on all fours. Aspen, stand up. She gets up on her hind feet like this, and then he goes like this, and she turtles around, and then he goes like this, and he, she fist pumps him. And I'm sitting there going, dude, that's fantastic. He goes, I know, I know, but watch this. Aspen, sit. And she sits, and then he walks away, and he goes, stay, 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 and he kept going. Probably, I'm not kidding, all the way to our backyard to, the, to where that wall is. He kept saying stay. And you know what's great? The whole time, Aspen's doing what? <laughs> stay, and then he goes, come, and bam! He just takes off and goes for him. And I'm sitting here, and I'm thinking, do you guys hear these words? Following. We wanna invite you and equip you to follow him. But what the Bible tells us is we have three other really powerful things that cause us to follow, that cause these struggles inside of us. The first one's this, following the ways of the world. As for you, right, he said this, 
You were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you once walked following the ways of the world. Now, in 1 John, John says this way. He says, if anyone loves the world, then love for the Father is not in them. Now, you got to understand this, right? Because the classic verse in all of the Bible is, God so loved the world. He loves the world. So he's not talking about the people. When, when it says that God so loved the world, he's talking about all the people. What this verse is saying is, if you, if anyone loves the world, you guys, there are patterns There are systems, there are ways of thinking that are the world, and they're the opposite of God. Later on, John says, this is what they are. They're the lust of the flesh is the way of the world. The lust of the eyes is the ways of of the world, and the pride of life. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. You know what all three of those things are? It's all about me. It's all about me. The way of the world is that it's all about you and you can do it. Now, the problem with that is this. With that's what the pattern of this world is, is that you have the ability to do it, well, then you better do it. (laughs) And so the pride of life becomes what? It becomes all, and this is true for every human being. Our value is most often dependent upon our performance and other people's opinions of it. That's the slave that we're to. We have to show that we're valuable. The pride of life, I'm worth it. And so we're all out there trying to get more stuff and to be more successful and to have more things and to be more pretty and to be everything. Now here's the issue. If you're good at that, if you're good at performing, you know what happens? Most people become really proud. And you know what, if you're a proud person, you probably don't have great relationships because proud people usually judge other people. I'm better than you. So when it becomes about performance, the way of the world, then it usually has an effect on relationships and things start to fall apart. But here's the flip side. If you're not very good at performing, then what do you feel? Shame. And if you're not good and you feel shame because now you're being the one being judged, what do you do? You pull away either way. Pride or shame are both the most destructive, divisive things that can happen in our relationships. And so our lives start falling apart and we're wrestling inside because we've got to prove who we are. That's following the ways of the world. It's all about you. You have to focus on you. You have to prove yourself. And he says, if you love that way, if that's the way you wanna go, you guys need to understand, then the love for God can't even be in you. Now you start doing things that God doesn't want you to do. The second thing, it's a powerful pull. Here's the second one. He says, we follow the enemy of God. If you're human, you actually follow the enemy of God. Ephesians 2, 2. Following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who is at now at work in those who are disobedient. Now, again, I don't know many of you in this room, And some of you, if you're kind of investigating Christianity or wondering about this, you're like, what in the world? A a power of the air, a spirit who's now at work? And those of us who are disobedient, like, what are you you talking about? Well, if we're going to believe in Jesus at all, one of the things that Jesus made very clear is he said, you have an enemy for your soul. And you know what's interesting? What do you know what Jesus called him? 
He called him the father of lies. He's the father of lies. He said when he lies, he speaks his native language. Can I tell you the truth? Here's what's going on. Every moment, all day long, there is a spiritual battle for your soul to keep you from following God. And this enemy is lying to you all the time about God. He's lying to you that he's not there. Or if you do believe he's there, then he doesn't care about you. A big one is he's just not good. He doesn't love you. I don't know, this is my battle. I've been walking with Jesus for 30 years and I still hear the voice that makes me, and here's the thing, if you don't think he's good, if you start believing he's not good or that he doesn't love you, you know what's gonna happen? You're not gonna trust him. You're not gonna trust him, right? It's like God is saying to us, hey, Dave, stay, stay, stay. And the enemy goes, see, see, he doesn't care about you. He's making you stay. Other people get to run. How come you don't get to stay? He doesn't care for you. He doesn't have good things for your life. But if you hold on, eventually God goes, come, and you go and he has a plan for you. But the enemy, there is an enemy who's getting you and I to think that he's not good and he's not trustworthy. And you know what happens? As soon as you don't believe God is trustworthy, you won't obey him. You won't listen to him. You won't follow him. And you get separated from him. The third thing he says we follow, super powerful. Follow the ways of the world. We follow the enemy. The third thing is we follow our own cravings. Ephesians 2, 3 says, all of us, okay, this is other, so good to know, all of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. And we were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. And this is us, right? What do you want? What do you want? Then get it. What will make you feel good? Then do it. What do you think is best? What do you believe is right? You know, I, I would say maybe one of the most highest values in our culture today is what? Follow your heart. Follow your heart. You know what the Bible says? Your heart is one of the most wicked things there is. And, all, and that might sound offensive, but all the Bible is saying, you know why the Bible tells us that? It's because our heart is naturally always bent towards ourselves. What do you want? And here's what's the problem, is now you and I are the ones we're deciding. If you follow your heart, then you're the one who makes the final decision on what is right and what is not. And so here God comes along and he goes, no, follow me. And we're like, no, 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 what you're asking for me? We actually think, this is crazy. We actually think what we want is better than what God wants for us. And the truth is we all feel that way. So. This is what we must understand. And I, you know what I want to encourage us today is this. This is what, what we must be honest about. I say this at, at K2 all the time. You know what a Christian is, you guys? A Christian isn't somebody who's got their act all together. A Christian is somebody who finally admits, I can't follow God. I can't do it. I don't want to do it, and I have no power to do it. That's our reality as humans. And that's what we must grasp as our reality. So as we think about this, all of us lived among them at one time. And there, there's two really quick things that I just wanna say about this. There's two results that the Bible says. The first one is this, is that we're dead in our transgressions and our sins. 
See, because why? Because Jesus said this, eternal life. You guys, did you guys know this? Eternal life is not going to heaven. Jesus said, this is eternal life, that you know the one true God. You know, you know who I know better than anyone in this world? My wife, Susie. You know why I know her? Because I have let her in to all the areas of my life. The more you let someone in, that's the way you know them. That's half of it. You know why else I know Susie better than anybody else? Because I've got engaged in her life. I've followed her into her life and her dreams. That's when you actually know somebody. The reason you don't know me and I don't know you is because you haven't had anything to do with my life. <laughs> and I haven't engaged at all in your life. Think about this. If that's what it means to know a person, you know what it is to know God? It means you let him in to your life. And it means that you follow him wherever he is and whatever he desires. And so when it says you're dead in your transgressions and sins, what does that mean? Death means if, if eternal life is I know God, he's in me and I'm with him, then death is he's not in me and I'm not with him. I think this is the definition of sin. When it says you're dead in your transgressions and sins, it's simply this. I do not want your presence or influence in my life, God. I don't want, I'm gonna trust the world. I'm gonna trust the enemy, what he's saying. I'm gonna trust my own desires. And I don't wanna follow your ways or have anything to do with your life. And he says, when you guys, when we do that, when we say, I don't want your influence, God, and I don't wanna follow you. He goes, then you don't know me. And not only does he say transgressions and sin, the second thing he says is what? And then you become children of wrath. Children of wrath. And I, I just think that's because of our own actions. Do you know what happens? The world's problem, you guys, at its core, is that we're all about ourselves. And so by our own actions, we become children of anger, children of chaos, children of division, children of fighting and separation and bitterness. And yes, when my kids even though I love them, when they don't listen to me and they start doing things that are harmful to themselves or harmful to each other, because I love them, what do I do? I discipline them. And it's never pleasant at the time. They get the wrath of their father. And we get God's wrath. We become children of wrath. Because when we don't follow God, his way is love. We end up hurting ourselves and everybody else around us. So, and then we get to this verse, right? Oh, what a miserable person I am. And it's all because we've tried, we haven't been honest with our struggle to follow God. And we must be, we must be. So, to end this day, the last part of, of this message, I have a good friend that I've actually asked to come with me this weekend. Um, his name is Josh Savage. If you guys wanna uh, invite Josh and welcome him up here to the stage for a second. And, um, and while, while Josh comes up here uh, for all of the campuses, this is the moment where we're gonna take our offering. And so um, all the, the greeters are, are welcome to come and we're gonna, so if you came prepared to give, let's go ahead and take our offering at this time and Josh is gonna come join me. Um, if, if many of you may not know this, but the whole reason we're in Utah is because of Luther Ellis. Do you guys remember Luther Ellis? 
All right, so Luther played football at the University of Utah and then was drafted by the Lions. Um, well, Josh actually played football for the University of Utah as well and then uh, went on to the NFL, but he was not drafted by the Lions. Do you ever get to play the Thank Lions? No. What'd you say? Thank goodness. <laughs> that was a joke. Of course I want to play for the Lions. Yeah. Did you ever get to play the Lions? Um, I did in 2008 and uh, when I was with the New Orleans Saints, and that wasn't a good year for you guys. So if anyone can remember why it wasn't a good year. That's right. I was the 0-15 game, so. Oh. All right, so thanks, Josh, for joining us. All right. No, actually, so, um, but Josh, you, you joined, you started coming to K2 about four years ago. And I'd love for you guys, just share with these guys um, what was going on in your life and where you were at at that time. Yeah, so um, I was not in a good place four years ago. Um, I guess you could basically say I was spiritually on life support. Um, and I was just going through a, a, the toughest time of my life. Um, I was coming out of life that was just all about myself. Um, I got filled up with a lot of, a lot of pride, a lot of selfishness. Everything was me, me, me. Um, and I, at that point in my, in my life four years ago, I've been married uh, 10 years and I have two small boys. Um, but when I started coming to K2, I was searching. I was very empty spiritually. Yeah. Like I said, just barely hanging on. Yeah. And where did that eventually lead you, this darkness, this, this kind of constant pursuit of yourself? Um, led me closer to God. And, yeah, it, I just, my story is, um, yeah, it's just such an honor to be able just to share what, what God's done in my life. But um, I went through, like I said, the, the pride and the, the selfishness and led me down a dark, dark path to where I did a lot of things that I never thought I was even capable of doing. Um, and I had an affair on my wife, um, which was something that my father did as well to my mother, and I hated him for it. I remember being a kid, and it's one of the reasons I started working out is because I wanted to just beat my dad, just pummel him the next time I saw him because of what he did to us. And here I was hating that man, and then fast forward in life, 10 years of marriage, life is great, and then not having a relationship with the Lord, and my life is just all about myself, and I get mixed up with, the, with another woman, and um, fell in a deep, deep pit and didn't even want to live anymore. I'll be honest with you guys. I had many, many times where it's, I, I didn't want to face um, just the shame and the guilt anymore. Um, I remember breaking down to my wife in my closet and um, I literally felt like I was drowning. Just little by little, every day I was just beginning to sink little by little and uh soon i was going to be underwater but i was just treading water and i just i couldn't do it anymore yeah so eventually you you shared with maria yeah. but partially and you kind of played that game of partial but keeping the door open to this relationship and then right. eventually the day came where you um where you exposed it all to her and what happened when you did that um <laughs> uh 
it's, it's hard to put into words, but I, I had this image in my mind when I disclosed these things to my wife, which she knew uh, something was going on. She knew that I wasn't the same person, but I didn't see that, of course. Um, but once I was able to get everything into the light and expose these things and, hey, here's all of my sin, here's all my junk, this is what I've been battling, this is all my shame, all my guilt um, that I've been holding, I, I thought it would be, I mean, grabbing a knife and coming after me, which, shoot, I, did. <laughs> I wouldn't blame her. Um, but she just embraced me. And the amount of grace that she gave me was just, she grabbed my hand and had me listen to a song. Um, maybe some of you guys know, it's called Broken Together by Casting Crowns. And that song had just come out. And yeah, she just sat and prayed over me and loved on me. And just the grace that she gave me. I know she was hurt and angry, but she knew that this wasn't the me that God saw me as. And that's what she was holding on to. Yeah. And then her mom embraces you, her dad. Yeah. And that's another, another um, just emotional, emotional but amazing time is uh, when I saw my in-laws for the first time after everything had come out. And <laughs> no words were even said. She saw me and she just came and ran and gave me a hug. And um, just just broke me because I never thought, here I am thinking, man, I'm an awful person. I've done so many awful things. I have destroyed my wife. I've destroyed my family, my kids. And here this, my mother-in-law is, sees me. And instead of yelling and screaming, she just comes and hugs me and loves on me. Yeah. And then... Um that brokenness happened with God. So what happened in relationship with God then at that point? So throughout the process, it, 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 as hard as it was, it, it took me a while to, it was like I was giving little by little by little um, of more and more the truth would come out. But it wasn't until I was able to get the entire truth into the light because darkness and light don't mix. And... Man, once I did that, as hard as it was to, to just unload this all to my wife, just the amount of weight that was lifted off my shoulders. Um, but then, I'll be honest with you guys, it, my life hasn't been the same since. My marriage hasn't been the same since. Um, that was three years ago. And it's like, as soon as everything came out and I was able to be vulnerable and be weak, God just started going to work in my life, like over time. Like, it's just nuts. I can't even put it to words, but just the Holy Spirit just filling me up every day um, and just living for him every day. And I look back in that time of my life, and it, it seems like a dream almost. So I'm like, God, who was that? How was I able to do these things? But that shame and guilt and that bondage kept me in place. But once I was able to get all that out, God broke me free of that, built me back up from, I mean, better, better than, you know, just as good as new. Yeah. And so it really was in, in embracing it. And I, and I think that's, um, again, so Josh tried hiding yeah. and, and that didn't work. 
um, tried masking it. And you even tried, right? You tried to stop. Yeah, yeah. Uh, under my own strength. Yeah, you tried harder, and that didn't work. No. So the only thing that worked was eventually admitting who you really were at the core of your being and then getting it out. Yeah. And um, so, you guys, I, I just want to tell you, I don't know what your thing is, but you have one. All of us do. We have some sort of darkness. We have some way of the world we're following. We have some lie of the enemy we're following. We have some part of our selfish cravings that we're trying to satisfy. And so, um, and then we live out that Romans 7. Why? The very thing I don't want to do, I'm doing. And so I, I just want to close. You can just stay up, stay up here with me. I just want to close with you because um, once you get into the light, God's grace will touch you. And there's three, three, three motivations of God that I, I just want to, share with you that are going to happen because it's right after the section where it says we follow all of these things we do all these things that God doesn't want us to do in chapter 2 the next verse there's two awesome little words here in verse 4 it says this but even if you're doing what Josh is doing whatever you're doing but because of his great love for us God who is rich in mercy made us alive together with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace that you have been saved. So let me just tell you about this great God. And what's so cool is what, what Josh got to experience. Like when you share the, the depth of the story with me, is Maria, I, I literally feel like God filled her with his spirit because what does it say? But even when you're dead in your transgressions, which means even when you don't know God, you're separated from God because you're doing stuff God does not want you to do. Even then, but God in his great love, his great love, and he gave Maria great love. He is rich in mercy. He is rich in mercy. And mercy simply means if you see somebody who has a need and they can't meet it, but you have the resource to meet it and you actually act on their behalf, that's what mercy is. And God is rich in mercy. He, can I just tell you, I wish I could look every one of you in the eye. Whatever it is that you're struggling with, whatever it is that you're hiding, whatever it is that you feel so much shame about, God is rich in mercy. He sees you and he goes, I know you can't stop. I know you can't. That's the point. And I'm rich in mercy. I will help you do what you can't do. And then he has incomparable grace. Those are God's motivations. Great love, rich in mercy, and incomparable grace. Even, that's the other big word, even when you're dead and your transgressions. You know, what's interesting to me in that, all of us as human beings at some point say, God, I don't want you in my life and I don't want to follow your ways. And when you're saying that, God says, I'll do anything to be with you. And so there's one action, right? God has three motivations, his great love, his mercy, and his grace. And then he takes one action. And what was it? It says he makes you alive. And I want to tell you, man, I remember you and Maria coming into my office, man, and it was heavy and it was dark. And I remember the day too, where we texted that girl and said, don't ever, and I did it. I texted, I said, don't, I'm sitting here with Josh and his wife. Don't ever text him again. You are cutting the ties. 
You were to- he was totally breaking that off. It was, and, and then I want to tell you, in the last three years, dude, you aren't the same person. God has made you alive with Christ. And he can make you alive with Christ too. But the first thing you got to do, the first thing is admit that you're powerless to do anything about it. And just tell him, God, I can't do it. I'm following the ways of the world. I'm following your enemy. I'm following my cravings. Please help me. And if you'll be that honest with God, he will save you and rescue you and give you grace and power to make you alive. All right? So at this point, um, I'm gonna go ahead and send this back to all the campuses and, um, and then we'll continue um, to close out our service. So would you guys give Josh a, a thanks, man. Appreciate you, buddy.